This is episode number 256 of the Live Life Aggressively show. And this week, Mike and myself discuss the ongoing problem known as mask holes. Now, whether you love them, whether you hate them, or whether you're one of them, you definitely want to check out what we have to say about that. Also, this week, CNN.com posted on their website what the ideal minority is and how other minorities should follow in their example. Now, is this truly the ideal minority in which other minorities should follow in their footsteps? Is this even a minority in the first place? Well, you definitely want to check that out and see what Mike and I have to say about this. And in fact, if anyone can speak on it, it's Mike and myself. You'll see why. Lastly, I share with everyone why I truly support Black Lives Matter. Consequently, I also share with everyone why I truly do not support Black Lives Matter. Wait, what? All that and more, and that starts right now on this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Let's go. an episode in a little bit we took a little bit of time off which has been cool and i started doing that youtube show you did an episode with me so that's yeah. been a lot of fun and it's, it's cool, interesting man. that it's, yeah it's interesting that the difference in dynamic because i always equate it this way i go when it's when it's just me talking to a guest it's like hanging out with one of your friends it's a fun conversation but when it's three people especially you me and a guest now it's a party <laughs> now right. It's right now it becomes a totally different dynamic so i actually really like both People are like, oh, which one do you like doing more? I was like, no, I really like, I, I genuinely like doing both because it's, it's just like hanging out with one good friend versus hanging out with two good friends. Sometimes it's cool to hang out with one good friend. Sometimes it's even more fun to hang out with two. So that, that's been a lot of fun doing that. And I'm going to keep doing that. But also, I mean, today we're going to talk about a lot of cool shit. But one thing I wanted to start off with because we, we hear so many negative stories right now. We got this pandemic and riots race, and race relations. Yeah, right. man. It's just so the economy's shit, you know, we all kind of. Yeah. <laughs> People talking about how divided and divisive we are and all that, and I'm not saying any of that stuff is not true, but sometimes sometimes in the real world you experience real positivity, and that's that just makes you feel better about humanity. So over the weekends, I was with my dogs at the park near our house over here in Seven Hills, and usually I let Grover and Raina off-leash because Raina likes to run around with their friends. Grover just sniffs around. He usually never leaves my side. So I, right. I, generally, I generally don't even really pay attention to where Grover is most of the time because he's always right next to me. But anyway, this day I went to throw away one of the dog bags, and when I came back, Grover was nowhere to be found. I mean, I couldn't see him anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally like someone came in and just grabbed him and took off. And so I started freaking out a little bit. I go, has anyone seen Grover? And people are like, no, I don't see him anywhere. And I went walking around the park. I couldn't find him. And then this lady came from the other side of the park, and she's like, hey, there's this dog running in that direction. I was like, oh, crap. That's got to be – I don't know why he's running in that direction. But anyway, so, I mean, I went sprinting with Raina. I mean, I hauled ass. And then while right. I'm sprinting, I realized, man, all that cardio I've been doing is helping. Because, <laughs> <It's paying> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we're all the way across the field, and we're still going at full pace. You know? Part right. of it was the adrenaline, too. I was kind of panicking because it was getting dark, and coyotes start coming out, and Grover's yeah. older dog. He could have made it to traffic where he maybe he can't see and he gets hit by a car. So I was really worried about this. So I, I ran to the other side of the field. I'm down the trail. I still can't see him. I'm like, man, I don't know which direction he went in now because there's divergent paths. Right. So I have, to, I have to sit there and figure out, try to figure out which one he took. 
Fortunately, just as I'm doing that, I get a phone call, and it's a number I don't recognize, and normally I don't pick up my phone. But I'm hoping it's someone who found Grover mm-hmm. and is calling me because my cell is on his collar. And yeah. sure enough, it was. It was a really nice guy. He goes, hey, I've got your dog. Now, the problem is, is this guy doesn't live in the neighborhood. He just rides his bike around with his son. So he, he was, I was trying to get him to guide me to where he is, and he sent me in the wrong direction, not purposely, but just by accident. Right. So I ended up on the other side of the neighborhood, and I go, hey, I'm, I'm where you said you were. I don't see you anywhere. He's like, well, I don't see you either. He's like, uh, let me look at my Google Maps. He kept, kept, kept sending me these Google Maps screenshots, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Does it make any sense? What am I even looking at? He's like, yeah, if you look at Google Maps. I was like, yeah, I'm looking at Google Maps, and I've lived in Seven Hills for 10 years, and I don't understand any of this shit. I don't even I have no clue where I'm at. But, I mean, long story short, I eventually figured out where he He started describing what's around him. And what's funny is as he described it, I go, man, that's our old neighborhood. You know, that's oh, where Carol, wow. that's where Carol and I used to live. So yeah, it's, yeah. I, I realized, OK, cool. I, I just need to make my way over there. So I went over there. I got the dogs. But here's the part that really impressed me. Now, I didn't know this until after the fact. But while I was running around trying to find Grover, all of my friends at the dog park or people that I'm friendly with, you know, acquaintances, right. you see them every day, but we don't necessarily hang out. But we're friendly with each other. All of them stuck around to look for Grover. And they stuck around till, until they got a text from a friend of mine that I had found him. So, I mean, they were out for an hour with flashlights walking around the park. You know, they were genuinely concerned. They were really right. worried about it. And then when I found Grover, there were three other people I know at the park that were waiting there with Grover to keep him calm because he was kind of freaking out, too. He right. goes, I don't know how I ended up over here. So, I mean, I tried to the, – the guy who helped him out, I tried to – I offered him, like, hey, let me get your info. I'll send you a gift card. I'd like to do something for you. And, of course, he's like, no, 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 that's not necessary. You know, I was just happy to help out. And he told me he saw Grover running up the hill. And at first he's like, eh, you know, people let their dogs off leash here all the time. And then he's like, well, I better double check just to be on the safe side. Okay, I don't, I don't want him to – I don't want to be wrong and he ends up on the street somewhere. Right. So this guy, this guy went out of his way. He was with his little infant son and I'm sure he didn't want to stick around until 930, you know, waiting for me to find him. Right. But he was totally cool about it and everybody at the park was really cool. And then also what's, here's what's also interesting is my friend Alan gave, there were a bunch of either high school kids or maybe young college kids that were hanging out at the park. And my friend Alan gave them my phone number and said, Hey, we're looking for this dog. If you find the dog, just call this guy. That's the, that's his person. And not only did they also help with the search, they contacted me maybe two hours later just to make sure I found Grover. They're like, hey, we got this number. We just want to make sure you found your dog. And I thought that was really nice. Right. So this this just kind of made me feel a lot better about people because sometimes – Yeah, we're not doomed, doomed. It's just the assholes get get featured more often in the world. You know, because things like these type of stories, they don't get recycled over and over and over again. It's that little five minute, that last two minute blurb on the news you get right when the news is getting ready to go off. (laughs) You know, so then, but you spent uh, like 58 minutes with doom and gloom. (laughs) So by the time you get one of these stories, like, wait a minute, was that a good story? Because you're so in such a trance with such a all the bad news that's been going on. And so it gets watered down. So, yeah. It does. I mean, it would have been a story if. Grover got killed by coyotes. Then it would have been, oh, oh yeah. ir- ir- irresponsible dog owner let his dog off leash and as killer, result, killer coyotes attack Las yeah. Vegas. You know, there's a coyote, there's a coyote yeah. problem in Vegas. The coyote <laughs> epidemic in Seven Hills. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. But yeah, that's good. 
So, so, so what, what made Grover go rogue? <laughs> I, don't know? Know. I don't know what made him go rogue. Did I think, food? I think, did he see something? Well, yeah. it's possible he heard fireworks because, oh, yeah, yeah. They've been just blasting yeah. off fireworks and that can make a dog freak out where yeah. they just panic and go running in the opposite direction. It's either that or he lost track of me. He couldn't, maybe I was at the top of the hill for a second and he thought I just left and he, he kind of freaked out because it's not that he can't see well. He sees fine because the other day, I mean, he saw a dog a hundred yards out and started running at that dog and he saw the dog before I did. Right. So I don't know, but I tell you what, <laughs> I don't keep, I keep him off leash anymore. Exactly. Sure. You're, you, you, okay. No freedom for you right now, buddy. Okay. So. Yeah, exactly, because I can't have this. Sometimes when dogs get a lot older, they start wandering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dog, that, that's Petey, my cocker spaniel. Similar thing happened to him one time. We were at the park, and I went to help my yellow lab out, and then all of a sudden, he's gone. And I was like, where the fuck is he? And I so, so I called Carol. I was like, look, you got to come help me because Rabia's I can't run around with her. She's too old, so I need yeah. you to take while I go look for Petey. And we both went in. We, we took Rabia home, and then we both went down different paths looking for him. And he got pretty far, Petey, for an old guy. And he, right. fortunately, he wasn't – he was walking down this trail, which could have led to the main road, but he diverted to the left for some reason. So he was at – he was stuck at a fence there, and he was just standing in front of it. <clears throat> yeah. Fortunately, I was able to catch up with him in time. But this I've, – I've had these – this wandering situation I've had a couple times. Mickey, our little Maltese, yeah. I never, let, I never let him off leash because he just starts taking off. Runs in this Come random on. direction. I go, where? And, he, and he's pretty fast too. I was like, yeah. hey, stop. Those little legs, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just something. Yeah, something about them getting older. They just start getting a little more disoriented. Yeah, exactly. It's no different than humans because I mean, mm-hmm. you, how many countless stories do you hear about? Elderly people just leaving, like, you know, retirement homes or old folks' homes, and, you know, they're just wandering off. Right. <laughs> just just right. randomly, and they just – there's no reason. It's just like they just, hey, I'm going to go walk randomly somewhere <laughs> and, just, and not tell anyone. It's like, where are yeah. you going? <laughs> it's like, oh, I just – I just – I, I just and they have no they have no reason. They just I just I don't know. I was I just started walking. <laughs> you know, they don't even understand. My mother became like that towards the last year of her life. That's when yeah. dementia started sitting in. Yeah. And I was with her at Town Square one time. We're having a meal and I really kept a I mean, it's obviously I'm keeping an eye on her regardless. It's my mother. I'm not walking 50 feet in front of her. Right. But I, I really kept her by my side because I thought if if I lose track of her here, it's, she's yeah. going to panic. She's not going to be able to figure out what to do, how to get back to my house or how to get in touch with me or anything. So this kind of thing is, yeah, this kind of thing happens, unfortunately. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's just one of those things uh, to keep in mind, <laughs> literally and yeah. figuratively here, you know, as as we're getting older, I think that's where the importance, we talk about that a lot, just, re- you know, really remaining active. Right. You know, and firing, not right. just, not just physically active, but mentally active. So yeah. just, you know, doing puzzles and things like that right. and read and reading something, cause don't forget the mind is a muscle. So it needs to work yeah. out too. So you need to stretch that bad boy out. So keep that in mind because again, when you become very relaxed or set into a routine, you're not challenging that mind to grow anymore. So it's starting to think like, Oh, so out of, we're not doing things out of survival anymore. We're not being as active. So I guess it's time to decline. So let's get ready for that. So that's what ends up happening. So it's, it's thinking like, okay, your time here on this planet is about to be limited. So we don't, the mind feels like it doesn't have to work as hard at this right. point. It's like, let's go ahead and prep for that, you know, for that eternal rest instead of sitting there trying to do anything extra. And then by the time you try to catch up, 
at the last second, it's a little too late for a lot of people. It's like, That's okay, right. It's already gone. You're at stage three, four, you know, right. dementia, you know, or Alzheimer's at this yeah. time because everybody was so fixed on just relaxing and not doing anything anymore. Now you can finally right. rest. I'm like, nah, I can rest when I'm dead. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, like, I don't do well with a lot of, I don't do well being too relaxed. I don't do no. well being too comfortable. That's why when you and I took a break, you were, you and Paulette were busy moving into your new house. Let's take a couple of weeks off from the show. And after about a week, I go, okay, let me try doing this whole YouTube channel thing because I've got the time on my hands and now's a good time to do it and see if I like doing it. And it's, 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 it's new skill sets that I have to do because one, I'm used to talking to a guest with you there as well because you and I've right. been doing the show for too long. Two, now it's audio visual as well. So you're actually looking at the guest and that's a whole different dynamic. Yeah. Now you can't sit there, not that I do this anyway, but you can't sit there fucking around on your phone or just looking up, looking behind you. you know, you're right. Because you got someone right in front of you. They can see exactly. you. Exactly. Or, you know, if you've got like a partner. So it's like, okay, well, he, well, Mike's talking to him right quick. Let me go take, let me go to the restroom real quick. You just get up and walk off. You know, no one can see you. But, right. <clears throat> so yeah, that, so that, there's a dynamic with that. And another thing is it, it kind of helps because again, we've talked about this for years that we've done the show. People say, Oh, just let them talk. Why are we talking over each other? Because we can't see anyone. There are no, there are no right. physical cues that shows that, okay, so-and-so's talking or he's getting ready to say something. I see his mouth moving. For the next word, he's getting ready like to interject. Let me stop and give him a break. We don't have that. Right, right. We don't have those verbal right. cues, you know, that physical cue. No, we don't. And yeah. so basically we kind of have to just kind of find a little bit of a rhythm. Fortunately for you and I, you know, we've done this long enough. We can pretty much get our rhythms down. I can almost right. say it when you start. Or if you're getting ready to start, I'm like, oh, no, go ahead. Whereas with right. a guest right. and then it's us two. So it's three people. And then we got this this wild card because – they may not necessarily be someone that's a good, good friend of ours that we, we've had right. these conversations with to actually know their cues as well. You know, it's like for you, you know, you talk to Coach Mark Phillippe all the time and you talk to Tim right. Larkin all the time out there in Vegas. So yeah. there's a lot of in, influxes of going on with their voices that you can tell if they want this show. They're getting ready to jump in. Whereas right. my interaction with Tim is about physically in person is probably a little bit of a year that I, that right. I spent training with him, right. you know. Talking about Coach Philippi, I met him once during your workshop, and that was over, <laughs> that was over ten years ago. Okay, <laughs> you know, so you know, so you got to think about those different things. So it's not like okay, yeah, we could do that like someone like Steve, the Steve Carter, you know, because we yeah. both have interacted with Steve on a personal basis, in person basis, to, enough to know like okay, I can tell Steve's about to come in and he has something he's about to say, and I can also tell that when he's when he's about to wrap something up, and then right. he can go from there. So. People understand it. Sitting on the other side and looking at the finished product, it's really easy to sit there and say, "Wow, I wish they would just let them talk." These guys are always talking over each other, da 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 da, and not really understanding the dynamics that go into doing this until they do their own show. And then when they sit there and they have like an audience of five, you know, including their <laughs> grandmother, then they start to understand. Like, you know what? I tried it. I mean, there's, there's been quite a few people that I don't care whether they want to admit it or not, but I can tell just by looking at certain things, certain stats. I can tell that once they saw it, probably about a year later after we were doing this consistently for a year, then they felt like, you know, they felt like they could do a show. Right. In fact, it also came just with little things when they send little messages like, hey, man, listen to the show. And then it consistently like, oh, man, I really like what you guys are doing. Then a couple more messages. Next thing you know, they have a podcast out. And then, right. the, but they're talking right. about just one topic. And they're stuck on that because they feel like, well, <laughs> you're two fitness guys. They're doing a podcast. Like you realize by the time we started this podcast, we weren't fitness guys per se anymore. Right. We were more right. former fitness guys right. at that point. 
So they feel like, yeah, so, you know, I, I know I can talk about this in a lot more in depth than those guys. Yes, because we're not talking about that in depth. We got other things going on with these yeah. topics on the show. So, and now here we are almost six years later, pretty much six years later. And a lot of those guys fell to the wayside after the first year. You can go back and look. I'm just like, mm, well, you know, cause everybody thinks it's so easy. Just get on a mic and run well, your Well, they, they also think it's the right thing. They're like, okay, everyone's doing a podcast now. Let me do a podcast. Does it fit your and business that's, model? That's, that's, a terrible, <laughs> that's a terrible reason. It has to be something. Like with this whole, with this whole YouTube show I'm doing, I don't, I don't have any expectations in terms of people are like, oh, yeah, you're doing such a good job. This, this show is going to be huge. I was like, number one, I don't know, and I don't care because I just want to have good conversations. That's why I started doing it. I go, we're all fucking stuck at home, and I can't <laughs> see anybody. So <laughs> right. Let me, let me start talking to my friends, and and these are interesting people. So let me go ahead and record it because other people may want to see it too. That was basically the premise. Right. And my only my only goal is to have good conversations. That's the only thing I'm thinking about. I'm not I'm not attached to the result at all. I'm not thinking about how to monetize it. I don't even talk about my business on the episode. I don't even plug my website at the end. Right. Nothing. I'm just it's just pure content. That's all I'm thinking about. Now you're not going to do that if you're not enjoying the process. If you're thinking about how you're going to make money off everything that's that's going to taint it and it's not going to be a good quality product. And what's funny also is that we're talking about interrupting and all that. The Steve Cotter episode, it was funny to read the comments because one guy's like, "Man, Steve, just let Steve let Mike talk, please." <laughs> that that was hilarious. Give it how much crap. Yeah. My how the tables have turned. <laughs> And I even told the guy, I was like, look, Steve had a lot to say, and I'm happy right. to listen. So as, as he doesn't have to it, – it doesn't – sometimes I have someone come on, and I am talking a lot. Sometimes someone like Steve comes on, and he has a lot to say, and I haven't talked to Steve in a while. I'm happy to listen. And what he, what he was saying was interesting too. So it's – but so you're never going to make everyone happy is where no, I'm going. And, and hopefully you don't. don't. Hopefully that's yeah. not your goal. No, no. Who wants to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who wants to? And then also – Imagine if you don't talk much at all. That's uncomfortable as a guest. I've been on fucking people's shows where yeah, they ask me yeah. questions they don't have dick to say. And I was like, I wish you would fucking interrupt me because exactly. I, I'm, I'm talking for 30 minutes and I need a break and you have one word. It's always this like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. Okay. You didn't sound like it's interesting. <laughs> Judging by the fluctuation in your voice, you don't sound too interested, bro. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Or, oh, so that's cool. That's cool. That's another one. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Like Dr., when Dr. Gordon came on, and he says the same thing about when he does our show, this this show, LLA show, but when he came on the YouTube show, we were on for two hours, and afterwards, he's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't realize we were spending this much time. And I was like, hey, sorry, I didn't want to eat up all your time. He's like, no, no. He's like, I love it. I love it because I don't get many people asking me good questions. You know, most of the time, it's the same old bullshit. Like, he and I can yeah, he <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I'm cracking. I'm cracking up because. So, <laughs> why did you automatically go into Dr. Gordon voice when you? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't get that. I don't get that question. <laughs> it's like whenever I used to talk about my mom, I always have to tell the story in her accent. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Otherwise, you don't get the full effect. You know? <laughs> if you don't hear the Indian accent, it's not as funny. When you hear that, you're like, okay, that's really funny. She said that in that accent. You know? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So, yes, I had to interrupt you for that one. <laughs> it was just hilarious how your voice was changing <laughs> as you were telling the story. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's when you know when, when someone when someone comes on any show and they end up being on longer than they planned, that's a right. sign that they're in the tube because otherwise they're not going to do that. They're going to be like, hey, I got to go. 
you know, after right. 10 minutes. You know? All of a sudden they produce your show. It's like, all right, guys. So, you know, um, yeah, I think we can end right there. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay. First of all, <laughs> it's the LLA show, bro. It's not your show. <laughs> you leave when we tell you to leave. And right now you, you're done. Okay. <laughs> Like fired, I quit. <laughs> That's pretty much how that is, man. You know, you know who has the funniest Instagram post is Tom Lawler, the UFC yeah. the MMA fighter, right? He'll post a picture of him doing kettlebell swings, and the location says "balls deep." <laughs> you know, it's that ball jeeps, balls deep bait, or and then yeah. he'll have he'll have a picture of him doing snatches, and then the location is spearmint rhino. <laughs> I started doing that after I saw his post. Now I just put these random locations whenever I post something. Yeah, I, yeah, he, I'm he good, I'm the good best. man. Just like on, I did it post about um Sean King wanting to cancel White Jesus, and if you see where I'm, you see my location on that post on Instagram. I have it Nazareth, Jerusalem. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. It's great. Cracks me up. I was like, man, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that because yeah. also, why do I want people knowing where I'm at anyway? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing. Like a lot of times, I, if I do a two A post, uh, my location is America. <laughs> 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 so yeah, man. <clears throat> oh, so now we got the feel good story. Let's talk about some dip shittery. <laughs> so, so, so let's. Let's just talk about this article that you sent me. You know, pretty much you can set the premise for that, you know, coming from the the crackhead news network. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let you I'll let you kind of just set it up and go from well, there. I mean it was it was the CNN article which basically said that Indians, East Indians, as in what I'm half of, are the ideal minority that other minorities should look upon. That was basically the premise of the article and then how that's causing problems in the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, okay, well, I wonder why it's causing problems. You know, it's such a stupid thing to say. So basically the premise of the article is other minorities need to be – I mean they didn't say this flat out, but that's what the implication is, is that right. other other minorities need to take a page from the East Indian minorities. minorities. And like you said, you're not a minority when you come from a country of a billion people or exactly. billions of people. Let's, let's start like- there. I was like, yeah, they, let's, let's go right there. I'm like, okay, that was divisive and racist in itself because right. you're further su- supporting white supremacy by trying to say that these people are minorities and you're not. Right. Okay, at this point, right. like, really? 1.8 billion people. That's a minority? Jeez, I want to see what the majority and, looks like. And to equate, and to equate the Indian experience, people that came here willingly yeah. and also came to a supportive environment usually because the Indian communities, like the Asian community, they keep the money in the community and they support each other and all that. And then you're coming with your culture intact and all those things. And, and your people, language. Yeah, all, your right. language, everything, your traditions, all that. <laughs> right. So it, people don't – people take – for people that grow up with that and come here with that, they take that for granted often. And I've heard people from other countries say, oh, you know, I don't know why these black people – and first of all, just that phrase. <laughs> I don't know why these black people can't get it together. You know, we've only been in – we came from Afghanistan. We've only been in America for 10 years, and we did this, that, and so forth. And I was like, look, you don't get it. It's <laughs> like you don't get it. It's like here's all – here's how you came here. You came here with these things going on. You don't have this – history of oppression just being passed down and passed down and this mindset being passed down generation after generation after generation as if it's just so easy to break that you know just pull yourself up from your bootstraps i'm like yeah that's easy to say when you actually you actually they actually gave you a pair of boots to put on (laughs) okay and all you gotta do is just learn how to lace them up 
you know, whereas everyone here pretty much came over here barefoot, okay, without choice. Like, oh, I need boots. Nah, no boots for you. Okay, right. So, yeah. And, and the other, I mean, the other point they, of course, didn't mention in the article, and this is probably inside knowledge, at least for me, because the, having been around Indians a lot of my life, my mother's Indian, a lot of Indians are racist as fuck. I mean, Gandhi himself, people love yeah. to revere Gandhi, but like, yeah. have you yeah, seen some too. of the things he said he against said Africans? Africans? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Like, I always found it very ironic. I'm like, okay, it really comes down to, yeah, okay, when people talk about Martin Luther King, you know, he's a follower of Gandhi. I said, that right there is irony itself. That's like me being a follower of David Duke. Okay, <laughs> at this point. Gandhi uh, was also a pedophile. I mean, he tried to fuck yeah. he slept, slept naked <laughs> with yeah. his niece yeah. to see, to see if he could hold just getting an erection. It's like, yeah. okay, so you're in bed naked with a relative, and you're trying to see a if child. you can resist getting an erection. Yeah, a, a, a child relative. First of all, you shouldn't be getting an erection with any relative, right? No. Period. In fact, you should get disgusted just even if that thought even crossed your mind. That should be gross. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the fact that you thought that was an acceptable ex- experiment to try out. Right. See, these are the things you won't hear about in history class, yeah. you know, because – Again, people want to pick and choose the things so it can better support their narrative as well. So, like I said, even with that whole, like, you know, Martin Luther King situation, I was like, dude, why would you follow? You're in a situation where you're trying to better race relations and try to change bigotry, especially against black people in America. But your philosophy is based on a bigot, you know, who was really trying not to make sure there was no power going toward any black Africans in Africa, but to, to Indians. You know, over that from white people. So it's basically, hey, give us give us some power over here and give us our, you know, equality. But, you know, at the expense of these people. So if you got to make a choice between the people who are originally from this continent, you know, and us think about us. Okay, so when you really break it down and understand the history of that, I I always thought that was just very ironic. But again, no one really talks about that because then that undoes a lot of narrative and and, and divide and, and all the objectives that these people were trying to put out there because now it's like, okay, well now what? Now that truth is out there. Now what do we do? It's like, well, this is what happens when you put too much of what you believe in and based on someone else and their beliefs, especially when you don't really know the person, right? You know, like, do you, what do you really know about when you say, I'm a follower of Farrakhan, I'm a follower of Trump. And I'm like, what do you really know about this person? Other than what you say right. and read, what do you really know? Okay, I, so. I always say there's things like there's there's a lot of things I like that Farrakhan says. Now that doesn't mean I'm a follower of Farrakhan. Right. That doesn't mean I buy into everything he says. Because there's a lot of things I he says that I think are batshit crazy too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? The wheel, the so. wheel, all oh, the wheel, brother. <laughs> <laughs> now, but I think he's a great speaker. So sometimes I like watching him speak just because right. just for that, just because he's a really good speaker. Just like Trump's a, Trump's a very dynamic speaker in terms of the being the most entertaining president ever. <laughs> Now, I'm not a supporter. I don't think he's a good president. I'm not a supporter of his, but I find him highly highly entertaining. Yeah, he's highly entertaining. And when he gives when he does one of these rallies, I'll watch it for at least a little bit. Right. And I'm usually laughing out loud at times. It's like watching a comedy show. Exactly. It's like watching. It's like if Comedy Central did the Comedy Central roast of America and the roast of Democratic America hosted by Donald Trump. That's what pretty much what it is. It's like a roast at this point. Man, it's just like, how many insults can he throw out there? And they're like, okay, I don't care who you are. That was funny. <laughs> it's like, come on. It's He's like, like, I call it the Kung Flu. Kung, Kung Flu. <laughs> Why do you call it the Chinese flu? Because it's from China. 
China, just case, just so you wouldn't misquote him, <laughs> make sure that you get that down. China. <laughs> he, he said, "Let me speak. Let me break it down to you as if you were a three-year-old. It's China." <laughs> I'm like, I don't care who you are. That shit was funny. <laughs> Especially her reaction after that, because she had nothing. She was like, "Wait a minute." You actually admitted that? <laughs> just like, what do you do after that? When someone sits there and they stand by what they believe, and it's like, yeah, I said it, and what can you say at that point? So, but I can I can tell you some more. Here's some more insights about the Indian community as well. And I have a very interesting experience with the Indian community because no no Indian in my life has ever recognized me as an Indian, not once. Because other Indians greet each other all the time that are strangers. So if an Indian family is yeah. in one neighborhood and they run across another, they're going to introduce each other. They're going to talk to each other. They're probably going to have each other over for dinner within a week. Yeah, That never happens to me because I'm not recognized as that. I've actually been perceived as a black man before by Indians. So I know for a fact that many Indians are racist towards black people because I've been perceived as a black person by some of these Indians. So that's one thing right there. Now, the other thing is, is I've been in Kenya and Uganda. My parents lived out there for a long time. So a lot of Indians live in these countries and they own businesses right. and so forth. And they employ a lot of the locals and that's all fine and good. What's not good is that they're extremely rude and condescending. Right. I mean, extremely to the point where it's uncomfortable to even see it. Like the yeah. way they talk to them, you just want to punch them in the face. You know, it's disgusting. And what's, what's crazy is then that attitude happens when they migrate to America. Right. So what ends up happening? So when you sit there and look at this article again, and they're talking about, you know, India's being the model citizen and talking about just the things they've done when they've come to America and the success right. that they had. Let's talk about how, what, what opened the door for that success? So we can right. take it back. We can take it back to the sixties. We can take it back to the civil rights movement. Well, basically, you know, like I was telling you, I said, so basically what ends up happening to a lot of these movements is happening right now as we're speaking with all the civil unrest that's going on and the Black Lives Matter movement and all that. So there's, there's something to be said about that when it gets commandeered about people who don't share your interest for creating organizations in the first place. So taking it back to the 60s and the civil rights movement, it's funny how during that movement, the majority of time, you never saw any of these immigrants, you know, that benefited from it on the front lines with black people. Right. They weren't sitting there getting sprayed with water hoses, bitten by dogs and taking bricks upside the head. No, the, mostly black people who were fighting for things that they should have had because, A, they didn't ask to come here. <laughs> you know, they were they were picked up. They were jacked, brought, you know, thrown on a boat. If you survive, they threw you out here like, this is what you're going to do or else. Right. Okay. Right. They had, there, there was no choice at that time. Whereas a lot of these immigrants, you came here by choice and to escape the very conditions that most black people experienced in the very beginnings in, in the beginnings of America. Right. Okay, so you because you saw that happening or you actually experienced that you got the hell out of Dodge and came here. So, again, you had a choice. So if it's a quote, Kanye, for you, slavery was a choice. If you stayed home, you would have been you've been a slave of your country. But no, you actually had a chance to come over here and get a new beginning. But the right. only reason why you got that beginning is because of the civil rights movement, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So that because then it went from being a black issue to being a minority issue. So therefore, it opened up the doors for everyone that wasn't white at the time. They could benefit from those new reaffirmed rights that you were already born with anyway. And so and that's why I have a problem with all the stuff that's going on right now. When you know, I'm seeing people trying to come here. I even saw this chick. I've sent you like a post of hers. She's um, 
pretty prominent in the Native American, um, like, I guess you say, influencer space on social media. But uh-huh. as soon as the whole Black Lives Matter thing started with this, you know, with all the uprising that's going on since the, the situation, since George Floyd got killed in Minneapolis, she was quick to go like, oh, everybody's all about Black Lives Matter, but what about Native lives, you know, Native lives? And, you know, we, they, we always get forgotten by what happened to us. And, you know, people always want to talk about, you know, what happened to blacks and slavery and blah, blah, blah. But you never talk about all the Indians that were killed and murdered. I'm like, okay, I was like, okay, you somewhat got a point, but don't forget the role that Native Americans played in slavery. Right. Okay? And the slaves that you owned. And also how many of your indigenous people were not looking, they weren't, pale in complexion like you were they were actually darker than i am okay yeah. at this point and and the how people that were paler that ended up mixing with a lot of white like colonizers and everyone else how they turned on their very natives and sold them out and let's talk about us after the trail of tears the deal that you cut with the government for reparations where the government pretty much told you like we'll give you reparations but a you cannot you cannot share that with the black slaves or the black freedmen that are living amongst you, you have to denounce them first. Then you'll get your reparations. You'll get your land, your casinos, all that stuff, you know, and they did it. Those five main tribes did that. They sold out all the so-called brothers. We're in this together, black people, you know, so I said, don't leave that part out and try to play victim as well. This is not a victim party. This is not a victim contest. You know, right. who's going through the most crap. Let's just talk about, okay. And let's talk about what's going on now. Let's talk about what's going on now and how, what can change now. Okay. Cause at the end of the day, we, none of us can go back and change any of that. Now on the flip side of that, like I said, I think we need to redefine reparations when even, when black people start talking about it. You yeah. know, they still want their 40 acres in the mule and, and he's my, Oh, you need to cut that check. You know, I said, there's, you know, like I, we, I mentioned on, you know, on your YouTube channel, you know, Bob Johnson, who's the, the, the founder of BET, um, pretty much he went on record saying like, okay, basically, there needs to be about, I think, $30 trillion that needs to be given to the black community in reparations. I'm like, that's irresponsible, though. If you cut that check and sit that out, because right. like I think Dr. Claude Anderson had brought up, all, this is what's going to happen. You know, he was either Dr. Claude Anderson or Dr. Boyce Watkins. They, check them out if you can. It makes a lot of sense. I don't care who you are, what culture you come from. It makes a lot of sense in the things they talk about. But if you do that, you cut that check and you somehow distribute that to all black Americans right now, you know, based on reparations, being owed about $30 trillion, it doesn't matter. You pretty much wasted paper because, first of all, the spending power of the black community on record is somewhere around 13, I think 13 to $20 trillion a year. Spending, that's spending. Yeah. Don't care who you are, what your budget is. You can be <laughs> at the very bottom of poverty all the way up to being the most highest paid entertainer or Oprah or whoever else. We outrank everyone when it comes to spending on a yearly basis. Our spending is so high, like Dr. Boyce Watkins brings up, is that we can pretty much have our own country with the amount of money we spend on a yearly basis. So do you understand with a, a, a spending budget of 13 to $20 trillion a year, that is more than most countries have the majority in the majority of the world. So that being said, you cut that check, it's going to go right back to the ones that handed it to you. So it's almost it's almost to the point where, you know what? Hey, government, here's the deal. You want to pacify us? Go ahead and cut that check. You're going to get your money back anyway. It's not going to hurt you. It's really not going to hurt you. It's really not going to do damage. Plus, the money's fake anyway, because look, <laughs> look like I was <laughs> saying on your show, 
basically you just had reparations happen a couple months ago with those stimulus checks. Okay, so <laughs> right. look, like all these corporations have been doing some very shitty budgeting, overspending, and pretty much running companies in the ground. And they weren't preparing for any type of disaster whatsoever. They were just living their life and living it up, majority of these corporations. And then a lot of times it was at the expense of a lot of the small businesses. And the small businesses, yeah, you know, they're just, you know, they sit there and they just go through, they go through the grind each and every day. But there's a lot of things they could have done better as well. And I have small businesses and I get that. And so basically for irresponsibility now, I'm not going to put that all on just the small business because there's also a thing about economic education that is lacking in this country. No one is actually taught really to how to build a business. You're taught how to go work for a business. That is what is grinded. That's what's implanted in your brain pretty much from kindergarten all the way to your senior year of college. It's like, you know, you sit there, you go to school, you go to college, you get a degree, you go work for a great company, work your way up the ladder. Hopefully, you know, you get a promotion or at least you can retire by this certain age and they'll give you a watch and, you know, hopefully you've got your 401k and yada, yada, yada. And, but no one ever drives home the idea of, oh, also, here's a better alternative, you know, because this country really depends on it. Go start a business and really learn how to start a business. Learn about money. Get financially educated. Learn how to not just save, because that's the other alternative. It's like either you spend or you save is what's being taught. Not invest and grow money and flipping money like that. So, right. But the thing right. is, in order for this country to survive and not be in a situation where you got to sit there and hope that you get a stimulus check just because there's a surprise virus that pops up and takes over the globe and you call it your pants down. It's like, okay, yeah, you caught me with my pants down, but Hey man, I got some badass underwear that protects my goods, you know, because <laughs> I kind of, I kind of had, I, I got a, I'm wearing a cup. So just in case you want to try to kick me in the dick, I'm prepared for it now, <laughs> you know, but I'm not going to walk around every day with it showing, but guess what? You pull my pants down surprise. Now what? You know, that's pretty much what happens when you get a financial education. Now at this point, before, a lot of people say, you know, a lot of our parents, and I hear that in my community as well, here in the black community, our parents weren't financially educated, so it ends up being passed on. It's almost to the point where it's no longer an excuse because, you know, if you can sit there on your $1,000 iPhone, even though you have no job and pretty much, you know, you're pretty much living check to check, but you got an iPhone that costs just almost sometimes twice as much as someone's rent that month, you can still get on that same expensive iPhone. And you can find ways to get financially educated. There's so many resources out there at this point. You just really have to want to do it. Or, you know, people are like, well, yeah, but that's easy to say if there's, you know, if someone's around that can, you know, pretty much influence you to do so. My thing is, here's a, here's a good influence, especially for people who are mostly into being entertained and look at their entertainment. That's what they go to for their advice. Instead of sitting there waiting for your favorite actor to tweet you with their virtual signaling and tell you to put that, that face diaper on your face because, you know, stop the spread, <laughs> <laughs> you know, stop the spread, yada, yada, yada. They want to sit there and virtual signal or they want to sit there and black out their icon for a day and say, you know, black out for Black Lives Matter. But then they got their icon back up the next day and they're back doing booty shots and all that. Instead of you sitting there looking to these people for advice on how to live your life, you know, looking like, how the hell did this person get the money that they have? You know, they're not a, they're not the best actor in the world, but how are they still surviving? How are they living or whatever? Let's kind of let's kind of just check out their background, how they got to where they are. You know, and go and read some books and check out these people and just see like pretty much 
where are their beginnings and how they get to where they are now, especially because you've got to pretty much be in a very good financial situation to sit on your high horse and talk down on people and tell them that, you know, this is what you need to do in order to be healthy, even though they're not qualified to do so. This is what right. you need to do to feel safe. So, you know, you shouldn't be carrying, you shouldn't have firearms or any type of training whatsoever. We need to get rid of all the guns because they have security that, that protects them. You know, and this is pretty much, this is where you should be spending your money, blah, 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 even though they've got investments left and right someplace. But at the same time, they're not giving anything back to the, the places that they come from because they want to forget about that. They don't want to be reminded of that instead of you actually putting stuff back into that. And just going off and donating to like an organization like, let's say, Boys and Girls Club, you just drop off a check and you think that's, that's good enough. No, how about help set up programs where it's like, okay, let's do, let's have workshops for starting a small business and start that by the time a child is like, at, at the very, at the very least, at least when they're 12 years old. Start right then and there. Instead of buying them a new iPhone for their 12th birthday, buy them some stocks, okay, and teach them about that and how stocks work. And, and there's a lot of programs out there that actually can that break it down for kids. They're designed for kids to learn how to do those type of things. You know, why not do that? So instead, or buying them the next pair of Jordans, buy them some stock in Nike. But not right now because Nike stock sucks. <laughs> so, unless you're going to buy options and buy puts and bet against Nike right now, this is a good time to do that. I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and if you don't know what puts are and options, you know, guess what? You can get that information for free. Go online, look up a website called Investopedia. You can learn everything you need to learn about stocks right there for free. There's so much free information out there that can actually make you money. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> you know, so instead of being charged for it by some guru that's going to lie, like, oh, I can get you six figures in, you know, in a year. Yeah. The reason why he's making six figures in a month or whatever is because you're buying his shitty program. Right. <laughs> you know, and, he's, his, and anything he's telling you in that program is probably not even tried and tested. It's kind of like online trainers. You know, with all their training programs and nutrition programs and whatever else that you got to buy from them. But they're not even doing it. They're doing someone else's program. But they're not telling you that because they don't want to give that person props because they feel like it takes away from their, you know, viability as an expert in the field. So, but anyway, man, <laughs> diverting back to, you know, these, the, the model minorities, whatever, and pretty much having all these opportunities that everybody else should be looking up to. Again, that's what I said. We need to look at the history of how they became that way. Like I said, between the, the Indian, the, the South Asian community, the East Asian community, you know, hell now, even the Latino community, hell, even yeah. the LGBT community, because all of them are benefiting from a lot that happened with the civil rights act of 1964. So even, but what I, I had to tell one of my friends about black people, I said, all these communities that you get upset about, you know, feeling like, you know, how dare they talk down to me or whatever. I said, the reason why, like I said, you won't see any of them getting shot and then their communities out protesting, whatever else. It's like, no, people know better. <laughs> they know better because you know why? All these. They have political clout because they have an economy of their own. They're not just waiting for a handout. They're not just trying, they're not begging for people to leave them alone. They're not begging for their rights. They're letting you know, like, don't. Most of them are coming from communities where they left a country in a situation, and when they got here to America, they were like, never again. In fact, that's the rallying cry of a lot of Jews. They say, never again. <laughs> and they mean that. It's not going to be another Holocaust. they like, F that. Japan is like, okay, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, y'all won't do that. You won't be dropping bombs on us again. Try it again and see what happens. Okay. That's the thing about it. So they, they kind of remind everybody, you won't do this to us again. Whereas we know as black community, they haven't made that statement. Look, man, 
We were just talking about this. People respect strength. They respect strength at the end of the day. So when you show complete strength, solidarity and strength, then people you'll get people's attention. Oh yeah. You know, you can you can act out and burn buildings down or whatever else. You're kind of looking like a sport, you know, a child throwing a fit. Because my thing is, okay, now when the buildings are burned down, what's your next move? Right. When you run out of buildings to burn, what's your next move? You know, so my thing is, you got to get your clout. So there's a meme that said this. Well, remember, remember that episode of Oz. This is, this ties into your point. Remember that episode of Oz in the first season where Saeed leads that whole revolt? Yes. And they're, they're, they're just destroying the whole place, right? And then at the very end, he goes, okay, now it's time for us to get organized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, you got their attention now. What are you going to tell them? Right. <laughs> what is, what is the message now? Now that they're not ignoring you anymore, they have no choice but to pay attention. What do you right. have to say? What, and saying is one thing, like, what are your demands? And that you are unequivocally going, you're going to stand right by that. You're not going to deviate from that whatsoever. And at well, this it's point, also we, like, we uh, have like with, with Malcolm X, I always felt that Mal- Malcolm X made it easier to listen to Martin Luther King. Because yeah, at, at that time, <laughs> at, <laughs> yeah, that time. At, at that time. <laughs> Because it was like, well, shit, man. If we don't listen to Martin, we're gonna have to deal with Malcolm. <laughs> you know, and, and Malcolm most of them weren't was, ready, and they weren't ready to yeah. fight. They weren't yeah. ready to fight. Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm was a guy that was super intelligent, very well spoken, and he said, "We're not violent, but if you fuck with us, we're gonna defend ourselves. We're not gonna exactly. take for shit." He said it flat out. You know? Yeah. And you know, and most people were not really like, "Well, no, we can't say that because now, <laughs> now they're not gonna listen to us." I'm like, "No, they'll right. listen to you." Because yeah. at the end of the day, like I said, uh, it's like people understand. Here's the thing about America. And people always talk about what American values are and what this country is built on and all this other stuff. Look, man, here's two things that America understands. They understand money and it understands violence because those are the two things that this country was created with and started with. It's like when they started messing with their money and their freedom to make money, they got violent with Britain. Okay. And it just basically came down who could be the most violent. And, and, and the quickest with the violence and shut things down. Well, that's what happened when you get a revolutionary war. Okay, they didn't do it by marching and protesting only. You know, first they say, hey, bro, I'm going to need you to quit taxing us like this. I'm going to need you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we left. You know, like, hey, we're trying to do some stuff over here, but you keep interrupting and keep trying to take money out of our pockets. Well, it's our land, but bitch, you ain't even over here. How's it your land? <laughs> we're over here doing all the work. And then the blacks, the slaves are like, excuse me, uh, uh, I will beg to differ. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, in a minute, in a minute. So anyway, so you're not over here, Britain, George, you're not over here doing any work. So how dare you take money out of our pockets? And so eventually he's like, I don't care. He's like, we're actually, it's a privilege that we even let you go over there in the first place. Okay, so then they were like, oh, F that. So then next thing you know, they're going back and forth. You get a war. And now for those same principles, it's so funny. The irony is when the slaves said the same thing and the abolitionists said the same thing, those same founding fathers like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? It's like, come on, man, you're an American now. Like, do you understand what we did? We took this from the British. And, like, it's a privilege for you to even be here now because it could be worse. You could be over there living with the losing country. (laughs) He's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. So the very things that you fought against, you're now for against other people? Because, again, they're making money off the people that tell them don't worry about it. You know, so then next thing you know, when when you start messing people's money, next thing you're going to get, you're going to get war where you can't come to an agreement, when you start messing with people's loot. So money and violence is what people don't understand. So I always say, at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, you have to make peace with the concept of violence. When right. you can do that, 
You can move, you can move accordingly. That doesn't mean you go and be violent. It's like when you understand violence and respect violence, then you, it's, it's like, it's like having a car. You understand that a car can be something that's very convenient and helps you have a better lifestyle, but it also can be something that can be very dangerous and take a life if you don't treat, if you don't respect it. Right. When you don't respect speed, you don't respect that here's a half ton piece of freaking metal and aluminum and fiberglass that could destroy lives. And when you re- when you understand and respect that, then you'll tend to be a lot more calculating when you get in that car and drive. You're going to start adhering to a few rules to make sure that the worst case scenario to do your best to make sure the worst case scenario does not happen. You need to do the same thing with violence. You need to understand once you understand it, study it. And make peace with it and understand that it's been here long before you were twinkling your dad's eye, <laughs> you know, long <laughs> before there was a human being here in the first place walking on this earth. When it was just little organisms, violence was going down. Even when it's just amoeba, there was violence happening with amoeba. You know, talking about just the act of a cell splitting in half is violence, man. The act of sex just to be created right now, that's an act of violence, even though it's loving violence, if you believe in that oxymoron. Yeah, it might be two people that love each other, but there's some violent acts going on, okay? There's some pain involved in this. But at the same time, you're accepting it because you made con- you've made peace with that concept. You're like, oh, I'm all for that kind of violence. <laughs> you know, I'm like, why not? But, hey, in a lot of cases, it produces a great result. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, you've come to an understanding with that. So my thing is do the same thing, man. So – Again, getting back to these communities, like I said, they they have this political clout. They've got the they set up. They went through some violence, and they then they realize, okay, we can't keep fighting. I mean, just it's June right now. It's the end of June. They were recording this, and that being said, this is what's recognized as Pride Month. Always understand, Pride was not about parades and celebrations that you that you see now, because now corporations have jumped in and they're benefiting off of. They're making money. They're they pretty much they're commercializing. Was something that started out as violence. Stonewall, where everything kicked off for Pride, was a violent event. It was a riot. It was a riot. But then, years later, eventually, the LGBT community, they got their stuff together. They became a political power. They got their money together. And then, next thing you know, they're getting, they're getting rights. They're fighting for them, and they would not back down from them until they got them. And they're still fighting for certain rights. But the thing is, the ones that make the most noise are the ones that are going to be heard when it comes to politics. So and just destroying things is not necessarily making the noise that you need to, that you want to be heard. It's a good way to get the attention. So therefore, people quit ignoring you when you're making the noise. But to make that noise also, there's there's a bit of silent noise you have to make. And that's with your dollars. So my thing is the biggest protest you can do with anyone that's treating you that you feel is mistreating you is collectively is to withdraw your dollars from those people that would do you harm. That's what happened with the Montgomery bus boycott. Of the, of the 1950s that, that pretty much kicked off the civil rights at, yeah. uh, movement because it wasn't about Rosa Parks just not want to give up her seat because she wasn't even the first one. It was another black lady did before because, but Rosa fit this, this, this picture of being the poster person for this, you know, so you got a little bit of colorism, which we can talk about as well with these, with these ethnic groups as well. Even when we're talking about the whole, you know, Indian community, the colorism that goes there, some say caste system, but it's also colorism that goes with that. But being that Rosa was a fair skinned black woman, you know, thin, 
you know, kind of almost could pass for white if you weren't paying attention. You know, that made it a little easier to kick off this civil rights movement. It was very calculated, people. Don't yeah. ever get it twisted. Because the first woman that got arrested for that, she was darker. She's a little bit, a little thicker. And that, you know, Basically, they feel like, okay, these are the very people that racists don't like anyway. This is a reminder that these people are beneath them or whatever else. So let's give someone that kind of reminds them of one of their women and see if they'll actually listen to us. And so, again, these are the things they don't teach you in school, no matter which culture you come from. Again, so, but like I said, when it when ended up happening after the whole Rosa Parks situation, then Martin Luther King came, and company came in and they boycotted the bus line in Montgomery and no one rode the bus for over a year that back then, especially when the majority of people use mass transit, you know, to get around that put a hurting in the city's pockets. Okay. And then that, that idea started to start to grow and go viral if you may. So when you start hitting them in their pockets, then people start listening. It became an issue like, okay, what do we need to do to make you stop taking money out of our pockets? What do you want? And then they find this common ground. So again, money, like to quote the great philosopher Nino Brown from from the city of <laughs> from the city of New Jack, somebody, money talks, bullshit runs a marathon. That's what you need to understand. Okay, so also just, another great line is cancel this bitch. <laughs> I'll buy me another one. <laughs> <laughs> I never yeah, liked you anyway, pretty motherfucker. That's one of those lines. That's one of those lines you always want. You always want to have an opportunity in life to use that. You know what, motherfucker? I never liked you anyway, pretty motherfucker. <laughs> that entire scene is so many quotables. Come on, yeah, sit yeah. your five dollar ass down before I make change. <laughs> yeah, <that's great. laughs> and iced tea at the end. He's like, he's like, I want to kill you so, so bad. My dick is hot. <laughs> Or even Vice T's like, what are you guys? Why? Why are you guys over here? Are you gonna watch me work out? <laughs> Mario you know, that was ad lib. You know that was not written in. The oh script. yeah, it's straight ad libs. Well, it's just like Al Pacino and Heat. There's no way Michael Mann wrote. She's got a great ass. You got your head all the way up it. There's no way. There's no way that's in the script. Yeah, Al Pacino would probably just felt it in the moment. Like in that moment, he felt like this is the right thing to say because he's such a great ass. Yeah. You got your hand all up in it. He's all pulling on that guy's tie the whole time he's talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene is classic. You know that's intense, man. So Yeah, so you know, even just talk about the whole colorism thing, man, even within these communities, because that's not just within the I mean Ask a darker-skinned Indian how a lighter-skinned Indian treats them. In fact, all you have to do is turn on TV and watch Bollywood. How many dark-skinned yeah. Indians do you see in, in Bollywood? Just like with Latinos. When you turn on Telemundo, how many dark-skinned you know, Latinos and Latinas do you see on Telemundo or Univision? How many yeah. do you see? How many Cubans do you see, dark-skinned Cubans, on any of those shows? Middle you know, East as well. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 one of the, it's a systemic problem worldwide, honestly. Exactly. And even in today. our own community, black community, same way. You know, yeah. it's going on forever. It's the, look up, you know, the, the, paper, the paper bag test. <laughs> look that up. You know, it was an experiment that went down, I think, probably in the 50s or 60s. And basically, you, you have these kids, and pretty much they – it was like all – pretty much – you. To measure like who's worthy or something, whatever, you pretty much put a paper bag next to their skin to use that according to how you're going to treat them. So if they were darker than a paper bag, they, those kids tend to get mistreated. You know, and then there's also if you look up um, Jane Elliott on YouTube, you know, she also talks about the doll, um, the doll test as well. You know, you, there was like um, this experiment just kind of sum it up a little bit, you know, and pretty much they had all these dolls or whatever. And, you know, they asked like. 
the black kids, whatever, like, you know, like, which doll do you want or whatever? And almost everyone, all the kids did not choose the darker skinned dolls. They chose the ones that were white and they were blonde. Right. So the typical right. Barbie, because that was the standard beauty. That's what was told and, and implanting their brain that this is what beautiful looks like. This right. is, this is the standard of beauty. No, thin, white, blonde, blue, blue eyes. Anything else is less. Okay. So, okay. That's great. If you're a Norwegian to kind of use that, you know, that, that way of thinking, but right. to, to be someone who has darker skin and you're told this, then it dismantles pretty much any inkling of who you are. It, it pretty much tells you you're nothing, you know, unless you look like this. Okay. And this is what white supremacy looks like people, you know, and the thing is, and to say that it's gone away, well, all you have to do is turn on your TV and watch the commercials. You know, look at what the standard of beauty is. Look in the ads. What do you see? You know, you see the, the thin female, a lot of them are blonde. They seem like, oh, blondes have more fun, yada, yada. How many redheads do you actually see in commercials having fun? Okay. So what is the message that sends you like, oh man, redheads, you know, they're just evil. No one likes them. They're always bad. <laughs> you know, because right. blondes are the ones that have more fun and brunettes want to be blondes and redheads. They're just non-existent. Those are the devil's stepchildren. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so that's the reason why it was so, easy one of the reasons why it's so easy for when the irish you know immigrated to america for them to relate and pretty much they were stuck in the ghettos with blacks with jews with italians they were all together you know this is happening like toward the end of reconstruction you know when immigration was big everyone's coming over here after this post-civil war but the thing is the problem with that by putting all of them together and they all started to get along so you had this pretty much you had desegregation already happening with all these different people. You had a multicultural, diverse hood, per se. All of them started getting together and understand that together they had all the power against all the corporations, against the Carnegie's and Rockefeller's and all that. Well, that was a problem. So someone like Rockefeller goes in and, you know, with unions all of a sudden now coming in, you know, in these factory jobs, telling all these other quote unquote minorities, like I said, the, the Italians the Jews, the, the, the Irish telling all of them, like, look, you know, we'll take care of you with the unions, yada, yada, yada. But you know, you guys are going to, have to move up out of those ghettos and you got to like stop trying to build with those people, aka black people, you know, because you, you're smarter than them. You have more opportunities than them. Okay. When you're at one moment, you're all equally as poor, you know, and then all of a sudden someone comes in with this, this little opportunity, especially when you feel like you have no other, no other opportunity as far as um your economics goes, then you take the deal. They took the deal. And what ends up happening now, you can really plant it in their brain how much more they are superior to those other people. He said, look at them. They weren't even smart enough to get a deal like this. That's why we came to you guys. And so now if you tell somebody something over and over and over and over and over again, eventually they start to believe it, no matter how false it is. I mean, this is pretty much what happens with abusive relationships. People always say, well, just leave him. Dude, this dude's put in, and some women have put in work to convince this person mentally that A, they're not good enough to do anything on their own, and they have actions to prove it because these people are in charge of the economy. They're the ones that go and work and tell this person to stay home and just take care of the kids. You don't have to worry about that. That's how it starts off. And then it goes to eventually, like, you can't even, well, how dare you even say anything? You have it good here. I'll go bust my ass for 60 hours a week to take care of you and these kids, and all you get to do is sit around at home. They gaslight them. And then next thing you know, it goes from that emotional abuse to physical abuse. But that person is bought into what this person's saying because they look around like, oh, yeah, I'm not worthy. Maybe I am the one. I am the one that asked to stay home and take care of the kids. And because I want to be a good mother and I want to be there for them. 
And then they start to believe the BS. Well, this is the same stuff that was happening during post-Reconstruction with all these other ethnic groups coming from a lot of these corporations, a lot of these white-run corporations run by white men. Okay, so very powerful white men. Again, who were still, their legacies are still in control of our economy to this day when you start talking about the Federal Reserve and all that because these guys are tied to that stuff. So, this is where you, when you say systematic racism, systemic racism, and that it hasn't gone away, dude, it hasn't. It's like, it's, it just, it, it looks different. And it's not as in your face. It's very passive aggressive now, in a lot of cases. Some of the times it's still very up in your face. But this is very passive aggressive now to the point where it's been so accepted that no one questions it anymore because they feel like, well, this is way, this is the way it is. This is no different than lynchings and the KKK and all that. And just even treating someone a certain way because of the color of their skin because it was tradition. But like I always say, tradition is nothing more than peer pressure from dead people. Okay, just always yeah. remember that. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> you can change some things, man. You don't have to keep those traditions up. And it's like that's like that saying, don't speak ill of the dead. It's like, why not? Why not? <laughs> what are they going to do? Seems like it's, it seems like it's the best time to speak <laughs> ill. Of what are they going to do? What are you going to do about a dead man? <laughs> <Yeah. I mean. laughs> seems like it's the ideal time. To speak Ill. <laughs> Someone respect the dead. OK, but what if that motherfucker was bad? What if he was shitty? What if he's a pedophile? Why do I have to respect right. him? It's like, good. Good for him. Who's respecting? Who's respecting Jeffrey Dahmer? He's dead. Should we respect him? Should we not speak ill of him? On a, on a totally different tangent, but one I'm sure you've observed as well. Remember last year when fat shaming, everything was going around, don't fat shame people, don't fat shame. Okay, that's all fine and good. Now we got people that are shaming people if they don't wear a mask. The same people that are saying don't say anything derogatory about fat people are now saying – Oh, if you see someone not wearing a mask, you got to check that person. Check or snitch on them. They got snitch lines or whatever. So these people now, you've earned your name. You worked really hard for it. You are now known as a mask hole. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's what you are. You know, it's just funny. I know all the ask holes out there are so happy. Like, whoo, glad they took the heat off of us. Because we all know an ask hole is a person that is always asking you a million freaking questions. And I always want your advice, but they never take it. Well, now right. you got these mask holes out here because they want a virtue <laughs> signal and and try to sit there and and I don't I don't know knowledge shame people for the fact that people actually do, does the research. But here's the, my thing: majority of the people who are all about you need to wear your mask. Why are you not wearing your mask? Or make or these are, these politicians or who are like mandating that you wear a mask. These are the same people that will scream to you any other time about abortion or anything else and say, "My body, my choice." Yeah. Guess what, bitch? Yeah, right. <laughs> Listen, right, there my body. Go. So that's what I said when someone's like, "Where's your mask?" I said, "My body, my choice." And what can you say after that? Because you're not you're not in charge of me. Well, then they try to flip it around. Well, you're just gonna put other people in danger. I said, "Did you drive? Did you drive over here today?" Well, yeah. You put other people in danger just by getting behind the wheel. Right. Well, no, because I'm a responsible driver. I mean, I, I'm not sitting there trying to like you know hit anybody. I said, okay. So if I were sick. It actually had something. I wouldn't try to go out and get people sick. But I'm healthy. If I'm healthy, shut the fuck up. Okay, don't worry about me. I'm good. And unless I'm yeah. there's not someone, there's not a feeble old person walking around in the middle of this argument right now, walking between us as we talk, catching our vapors that we're exchanging here. Okay, and also, please go look at OSHA's website and, and talk about they are the authority on contaminants. They will break down your your little your N95 mask your surgical mask, and that cloth that you put over your face and tell you that all three mean nothing 
when it comes to contaminants, especially in this situation and stopping a virus. So it, I think, are you going to question OSHA? Really? You going to tell them they don't know what the fuck they're talking about? This is their job. Okay. Not your local news person. You know, not, not some dude that, you know, has a multi-billion dollar computer company. No, it's freaking OSHA. So, I mean, hell, Dr. Gordon, the best hormone optimization expert around and one of the smartest doctors, period, he said on an episode of my YouTube show just last week that we need to develop herb immunity. We have to get out there and be exposed to things to get through it. So we can't hide from it by just staying at home all day and wearing masks and so forth. And also, if we're really concerned about not overrunning the medical system, then you should be, make being healthy, being as healthy as possible a priority. Oh, Mike, can't do that. Food can't. and exercise. Too much personal responsibility. Well, not it? just that, Mike, but I can't do that because then – that's going to make you have to rebel against my masters as a politician. My masters being the, 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 the corporations that pay me, that pay me and line my pockets because they're the ones that are behind a lot of the unhealthy stuff, whether it's big pharma or big agriculture. Okay. So for you, for me to sit there and tell you to do that and push that narrative, it goes against my money. Okay. Again, like I said before, people understand one thing, two things in this country, money and violence. Okay. So the violence is happening. And guess what? A lot of people are making money off of it. Whether you're the person that's financing an organization that claims that a certain group matters, but not necessarily because they don't want the father to be the middle of the, you know, the nucleus of the family structure. So, if, you know, or they're not on the front lines of the hood when there's gang violence going on. They're not marching then. They only come out when there's, okay, there's police brutality. That's the only time they pop up. I'm like, that's the only thing that's happening in, in the black culture that needs to change. That's it. You're not in the forefront of the education system. You know, marching out against that since you like to march so much. No, but so getting back to those corporations, they own these politicians. So why would they sit there and push a narrative of getting healthier, especially when the majority of those politicians aren't healthy? So how they look telling you like, well, you know what? You need to start eating better and sleeping better and actually getting outside, enjoying nature and, you know, and get vitamin D and, you know, and all this other good stuff, you know, because they're not doing that. They're not doing that. At all. So how would they look You'd be like a hypocrite? Like, why, why would I listen to you? And where are the doctors? Where are the experts to tell you that? Fauci's all over the place, but there is no doctors that are pretty much in the line of thinking and has the, the results to back it up. Like a Dr. Gordon, they're not given a platform in, in right. front of Congress, you know, or with these politicians backing them up to actually give you good information. That's just basic science that even people like us who are not in that field learned about while we were in school. Like hypoxia, like, do you really want to sit there and, regenerate all this carbon dioxide over and over again and limit how much oxygen you get. That's not how breathing works. <laughs> okay. So do you understand what you're putting back into your blood cells by not breathing freely like this? And like you said, we need that herd immunity. So on the flip side, you got people that were pretty much, they, they're bringing up, especially all the anti-maskers, you know, which is the new anti-vaxxers, <laughs> the anti-maskers <laughs> out there saying like, wait a minute. So you're telling me for months it was COVID wear a mask six feet, you know, you know, um, distancing and, you know, wash your hands, yada, yada, yada for three or four months. But then stuff went to the left, you know, <laughs> literally and figuratively in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis. And now you've got rioters and protesters. And then the same people are like encouraging, like, you know, you need to go out and protest. Don't don't mess with them. Let them protest. Let them get out. Like, wait a minute. Didn't you just tell me I need to wear a mask? We need social distancing. Like, no, but let them protest. And then all of a sudden COVID just disappeared for about a month. No one's talking about it, really. And then all of a sudden, once the protests are pretty much the violent part of it, like the burning down and destroying the properties died down, then all of a sudden it's like, 
oh, now we got an uptick now in, in COVID again. Those cases are rising really rapidly because, yeah, because now you have more tests that actually work, you know, because those first round of tests were contaminated CDC. Thank you very much. You know, so now you've got tests that are actually working or they may not be because there's studies out there showing that, you know, there's a 50-50 chance that, that the results are true. So you, so either way it goes, you got more and more testing. And now you're saying there's a second wave happening. And now all of a sudden you tell everybody, like, you try to make it mandatory to wear the mask and put on gloves and social distancing, yada, yada, yada. Now post at the height of the protesting. So now everything is good. But if you notice, though, so, yeah, everything spiked a lot right after the protest. And then, of course, there's studies trying to debunk that now because it's, it's messing up their narrative. They're trying to say, well, it wasn't because the young people were out protesting because now most of the spikes that are happening with COVID now are with younger people. But here's here's the kicker. Yeah. You got more and more cases, you got cases on the rise because, yeah, more and more people have access to tests. But at the same time, deaths are declining <laughs> big right. time, right. big time. So here's one thing you can look at that. Well, first of all, there were how many old people were out there protesting with, with underlying conditions? <laughs> Probably next to none. OK, so you had a lot of young people who pretty much for the most part, in theory, had much better immune systems to fight a virus. Right. And nine times out of ten, they already had it in them anyway. Because that's what people understand. All of us have had a version of the coronavirus in us in the first place. So again, that's why the majority of people were compromising. You know, underlying conditions are the ones who are the ones that are dealing with the worst of this thing. So that being said, what do we do to make sure we don't have underlying conditions? Let's focus on that. Why do we just only time we even bring it up is when there's a death. So to justify, like so and so, you know, we had this many people died of of COVID nineteen. And to my, out of those 10, nine had, you know, underlying conditions. Can we address the underlying conditions, please? <laughs> why are we not talking about that? Yeah. Why are we just, get, yeah. why are we just being very passive about saying that? Well, I mean, like, Dr. Dr. Gordon also talked about the, uh, uh, what's funny is he, we had this discussion when we stopped recording. I'm not sure why, because once we stopped recording, he's like, Hey, let me show you some stuff about vitamin D. I was like, well, why didn't you show me this when we were recording? It's <laughs> good material here. Man. So he believes that vitamin, because I sent him a couple articles about, there have been different small, not really studies, but more just anecdotal type things looking at. They're looking at, okay, the, the majority, all the people who survived had really good vitamin D levels and pretty much most of the deaths were people with really depleted vitamin D levels. But they said anything over 30 as normal. Now, Dr. Gordon says normal versus optimal. 80 to 100 is optimal. And I'm, I'm at 64, which I thought was a great number. He's like, no, you want to be at 80. So whatever dosage you have to take to get you there is what you take. It's none of right. this, no more than 4,000 IU, it's dangerous. Right. It's like, that, that's nonsense. He goes, it's a hormone, and there's no toxicity no matter what the dosage is. I think right. he said he takes 50,000 IUs on Monday yeah. and then yeah. 20,000 every day after that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been taking 10,000. That's what got me to 64. Now I'm going to up it to 24 or 20,000, so I get into that 80 to 100 range. Right. And so that's so vitamin D, and the, the news narrative is always, oh, there's no real proof of vitamin D. Dr. Gordon said that there's, I think, 100,000 articles on vitamin D and the immune system. So this, we get a lot of bad advice. No one, know, and no one in the mainstream media knows what the fuck they're talking about. There are, there are people who know what they're talking about. We're just not hearing from them. Right. And so then you find them, and then when those people are speaking out against it, it's like, oh, conspiracy theorists, oh, look at them. And or or what's really starting to happen a lot, they're being censored. Their information is being taken down on YouTube. Right. And, and, and and what's so crazy, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are blatant about it. They're saying that you know, anybody that speaks out against, you know, 
the who and Dr. Fauci and, and pretty much against the mask and all this other stuff where their information is being taken down without even investigating it. But if you post something, even if you just post a quote from a meme or whatever, their fact checkers will jump up like, no, not true. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, so you did a research on a quote from John F. Kennedy from 1960, 1963 and right. saying that it was partially true or whatever. But you can't sit there and do the, do the research on this doctor's information that's speaking right now about something that's actually going on right now. You rather flag me and say, you know, and, and do false for a dude that's been dead for like damn near 60 years. Okay. Fact checker. That's why I call them hack checkers. <laughs> you know, they're just a bunch of hacks, man. But again, they're trying to follow this narrative or whatever and this, uh, their own agendas. Like, let's not, let's not give a balance of information out there. Let's just keep it all one-sided to the ones that, again, that are paying us the most. You know, we have to bid. That's why I love, there's this one shirt Killer Mike always, you know, the rapper Killer Mike always wears. It says, kill your masters. And I remember the first time he wore that. And I remember someone getting very upset about that because they're thinking about slaves they're thinking all the maggots telling black people to kill white people like no fool it is now it is 2020 so we're not talking about that unless you are being controlled by someone that's white or whatever but when it says kill your masters kill whatever it is that has control of you that you can't break the chains of especially when it's not benefiting you so like killer mike says that you're like mine is fried you know it's fried chicken <laughs> he, said, that's, he, said, he said 20 pounds that's my master i'm trying to get rid of it i'm trying to kill it he said, that's why i'm working out now you know for the most part so i'm just like think about all those things that is not being the best the most optimal to your well-being those are your masters those things that you feel like you can't stop doing you know if you can't stop eating pork if you can't stop drinking you can't stop smoking weed all day long that's your master dude it owns you to the point where you pretty much feel like you have no choice. That's something that you have to do. The only thing you have to do is breathe. Okay. That's the only thing. Cause if you're not doing that, you're dead. And then we, there's no sense having this argument. You're not even here to defend yourself. Well, shit, yeah, man. <laughs> we, are, we, are, we, we know people that work out too much. And exactly. Working out it's, is always seen as something that's healthy. And it is when you do it right. And for most people, they don't have the problem of working out too much. So we said, so this right. is not, this is not an epidemic. All right. I'm not trying to make this sound like this is a huge problem. But within the context of, of people that enjoy training, a lot of times it's easy to do too much right. or it's a coping mechanism for something you don't want to deal with. Exactly. So, just, so these are, these are just realities. So any, anything can become unhealthy if it's used in an unhealthy manner. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, when you can't break the chain from you, can't, if you can't just say like, okay, today I'm not going to do that. And then as soon as you, as soon as you say that five seconds later, you got to come up with an excuse why you need to do it. Right. Like I'm not going to work out, you know, Hey, I'm going on vacation. So I'm not even worried about trying to go to a gym for a week. Oh, but my gains, though. I might, you know, oh, man, I'm going to lose my gains. So I'm going to go work out on this cruise ship. <laughs> like, dude, really? But then you it's go like, and have like these people that say I've, in 20 years I've never missed a workout day. I was like, well, you probably That's should. Sad. Because you would, have, yeah, you, would have, you would have made a lot better progress if you missed some, all right? Exactly. Because you're, you're so addicted to this. See, that's one thing about me is that I train for performance. I don't train for abs. I don't train to be a bodybuilder. I don't train for, I don't train for anything other than being stronger, more fit, better endurance, measurable things. Right. So that, that what's good about that is when those things are not improving or they're, de or they're going in the opposite direction, I realize I need to make a mid-course correction. Yeah. Now, people that just train for the stimulus of training, they don't make any mid-course corrections because even if they're getting diminishing returns, they don't stop. 
You're chasing that high, man. Chasing that high. They're no different than they're no different than a crackhead around the corner, man. Chasing that high. But I'm I'm not I'm not going to train harder to get weaker. That doesn't make any sense (laughs) to me. Right. (laughs) I'm not going to put in. I'm not going to push myself harder and get diminishing returns, but just keep pushing it as if that's going to somehow get me out of it at some point. Right. So yeah, dude. (laughs) So yeah. So there's there's my point about. Indians being the ideal minority. <laughs> yeah, and me as a half Indian man, I can I can agree with all that's, those. That's why I can have that discussion right now because I have I have an expert. I have actually have an expert from the community. I'm not speaking about a community, you know, solely by myself. I'm actually bringing someone from that community, at least half of you. <laughs> you know, so and, and I can talk about white supremacy because you can speak on that other half. So look, I just nipped two 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 little kids birds in the bud right here, man. So it all that's works. Out. When someone asks me my ethnic background, I go, well. It depends on what <laughs> depends on what's going to benefit me in this situation. Right? <laughs> am I going to get a better table at the restaurant if I say I'm white, or am I going to? I going to or is it now that everyone's woke? Is it better for me to identify as a minority? Exactly. Man, on, am I going? <laughs> Am I gonna get a Am I gonna get a business grant now? You know, just by claiming the Indian side of me now? <laughs> yeah, Carol, Carol Carol has said that she's noticed that. That white people are a little bit too nice now when she's out yeah. and about. She said it's she was a, at the she was at the store and this one lady's like, "Oh hi, sweetie, oh, aren't you? Don't you look nice?" And she's like, "Jesus, man, don't that's creepy. That. <laughs> yeah, that's creepy." But she said that it's undeniable. She said when it happened one time, she's like, "Eh, you know, maybe maybe it's just that person." But then it just kept on happening. She's like, "All right, all right, you know, something's going on here." Yeah, it's like like I don't want like let me let me show you. Look at me. I'm I'm not racist. I like black people. Please don't burn this down. This <laughs> is like, uh, lady, calm down. This is going to be okay. <laughs> Seriously. So and it's funny because, you know, I've had quite a few friends that, you know, reaching out to me. I don't, I was telling my wife that when did I become the go-to guy for, you know, how to, how should I approach black people going forward in a post black lives matter, George Floyd manner? Let me call sincere. Let me phone a friend. It's like, so I got all these people like, you know, I had these people reaching out to me. Some of the people we know He's like, you know, how should I go forward? So what can I do? I'm like, I said, here's the best you can do. First of all, so hear me when I say this, first of all, Leave us the fuck alone. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean ignore us. It just means like when we're trying to prosper as other communities in this world and in this country, don't do things to get in our way. I said, so that being said, it's like that goes out to even I said, I said, talk to your I said, talk to your very, very far left friends who claim to be the ones that are always on the sides of minorities, especially black people. They said they're the ones to speak up for them, including those that vote with the D. Okay, vote Democrat. They always say, I said, well, tell them to stop legislating and voting for policies that will put minorities, especially black people who they claim to support, in danger. So stop it with all this anti-gun legislation. Stop all the stuff that you're doing as far as education and all these things of the redlining and all this other stuff. All these economic opportunities that could happen for a lot of these businesses. Stay, stop doing things and, and creating legislation and all these things that hinder them, those things or stop them. Treat, you know, so just stay, leave us alone. Stop messing when we're trying to prosper. Okay. So if we are trying to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps, stop cutting the damn, <laughs> the damn shoestrings. And then like, here you go. Like, come on here, here, put on some Velcro. I'm like, that's not sexy. Nobody wants to wear that shoe. Nobody wants to wear that dude with Velcro on it. <laughs> so, so I said, first of all, stay out of our way. Leave us alone. All right. Number two, talk to your people, man. If you see your friends making jokes or saying certain things or doing certain actions that is very racist or at least bigoted, say something. 
Don't just sit there and go along to get along. Don't right. or just be quiet. Right. I said, your silence is violence, man. You know, yeah. you're you're pretty much encouraging them by shutting the fuck up. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to speak up. Like, hey, that ain't cool. That's not cool. So, well, do you say that with white people? Like, look, man, if somebody if someone's saying doing something to harm another person and I'm present, I'm like, ah, oh, that ain't cool. Nah, bro, that's un, that's not acceptable. You know, so so don't try to flip it, but don't yeah but me when I bring this up. So let's say yeah, but when yeah, but when black people, I'm like, okay, dude, calm. Okay, again, I'll talk to my people. You go talk to yours. How about that? Because the problem is, you don't talk to your people. You come talking to my people when we do something like like if there's shootings or whatever. What about Chicago? Okay, first of all, when's the last time you've been to Chicago? <laughs> and I'm not talking out in Aurora, all the suburbs. When have you ever been in the south side or west side of Chicago? No, you're only going by what you've seen on CNN and Fox News. You have no idea. And if you are in Chicago, you're staying in downtown in some nice hotel. You're not going to any of these any of these urban neighborhoods, quote unquote urban neighborhoods. I said, so don't sit there and say, what about Chicago with me? Or what about Detroit? Or what about Philadelphia? Or what about Houston? Or any other, because here's the common denominator with all that. Okay, yes, a lot of those cities are ran by by blue politicians to my by democratic politicians but at the same time a lot of those places are kind of purple so my thing is those politicians only get away with what the people are letting them get away with so let's just focus on educating those folks and not just going along with traditionally what your family did don't just vote a certain way because your family always voted that way and don't do straight ticket that is the most irresponsible thing you can do as an american is to vote straight ticket how freaking irresponsible is that? You don't even know who this person is. They could be just like, oh, you could be just voting just because someone's, you just vote all Republican or vote all Democrat. And one of those people on that list, let's just say like, oh, and when I get in office, you know, I'm going to make sure that everybody gets an anal probe on the first day that I get in office. <laughs> you know, just like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, yep, it's mandatory. But you voted for him because, hey, he was in the same political party as you were because you didn't do your homework. My thing is vote according to what works for you, what's speaking to you. And not just the party, but that person. What is their platform? Don't be lazy because that's just as irresponsible as any other right that you don't take seriously. You just go. Just like someone says, like, okay, I got freedom of speech. Like, okay, you can sit there and scream fire in a crowded theater, but you just got to understand that you have that right. You can do it. Just understand there's some repercussions that come with doing that. So the same thing goes with the Second Amendment. It's like, yeah, it's like this. If you are someone that can legally have a gun, and my thing is there's some responsibility that comes with that. Okay, so and don't focus on the people who shouldn't have had one in the first place. The criminals, you know, don't sit there and lump put all those people in the same little category together, you know, as gun lovers or whatever. I said those dudes not even gun lovers at this point. They're crime lovers. You know, the gun is just something that helps them commit crimes that they love. So don't lump them all together, because that's the case. If we're going to talk about freedom of speech, then anyone that makes hate speech. I can lump that with anybody else that practices their First Amendment rights. Journalists, everybody else. Well, all you people that speak freely, you're all the same. And they're like, wait a minute. Well, I'm not like the white supremacists. Like, why not? You're speaking, aren't you? You're doing it freely. Y'all are the same. You're doing the same thing. Well, no, it's not the same. I said, exactly. So you can't say the same thing with someone when it comes to the Second Amendment. You can't, you can't do that. So again, it comes with responsibility. So that's my thing, man. So again, talk to your people. If you see somebody doing something or saying something that's out of, like, you know, it's not cool. Like, nah, bro. Or just say like, or if they're like, well, why are you being so sensitive? You know, if you don't like it, you can leave. Then leave, dude. They just gave you your papers. They, they just gave you the freedom to step away from some bullshit. Because if you are truly a supporter of people and their rights and being treated as human beings and being treated humanely and having rights, 
that everyone else should have, then that's your that's the time for you to show it. So there you go, right there. So leave us alone. Talk to your people. So if I feel like if you do those two things, you're off. You're 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 on the right track. And number three, for those who are like joining all these organizations, don't try to join and dilute and bring your issues with us. So don't <laughs> sit there. You know, so that's what I probably have with Black Lives Matter, the organization, because it started with. It goes back to like Trayvon Martin, that whole situation. Well, not not in that. Well, let's take it back. I mean, Mike Brown. It goes back to this. So no matter where you stand on that, what happened in Ferguson, here's we're talking about Black Lives Matter. This is where they pretty much popped up and talking about police brutality. Okay, so it started off. Okay, there needs to be some reform going on with police departments, better training, psychological evaluations. And yeah, we'll talk about defunding the police in just a minute. But, you know, all these different things, it need to be a change on how they pretty much what their standard, you know, operating procedures are when it comes to engaging, especially in mostly black neighborhoods and engaging with, with black people. Okay. I can get with that. I can get with that. But then it went on to becoming Oh, and at this point, you know, we're we're talking about feminism. We're talking about Marxism. We're talking about, you know, the the, the structure of the LGBT community. And we got to make sure they all like, whoa, 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 whoa. Then now it's not Black Lives Matter anymore. It's feminism lives matter. Feminist lives matter has now become LGBT lives matter. I'm, I'm like, okay, so here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with standing and fighting for those things. But, okay, you don't try to lump a bunch of stuff together and expect change. I feel like that's a lot of reason why there's a lot of chaos because yeah. a lot of a lot of folks don't know what the hell they're fighting for. It just they hear this thing and they lump everybody together. So there are actually people out there protesting for Black Lives to Matter. Okay, but then there's people who are part of Black Lives Matter organization that's all about the chaos and creating as much drama as possible. And it's just like we're just going to destroy stuff until we get what we want, and which is not necessarily focusing on the Black family in the black family structure and black economics. So that's the thing about it. Black, when you talk about black lives mattering, it goes beyond just police brutality. It also goes through economic opportunity. It goes through prosperity in those communities. Okay. It goes through like proper education to be available. Okay. So you got to look at all those things. All those things are part of basically having the freedom to live your life with freedom and prosperity. You know, and that's how you get to enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what making lives matter is all about. So if you're going to talk about that in black lives, then you got to address those things. Like how can they prosper? How are they allowed to prosper without any hindrance? That's what you need to focus on. But they're not doing that. So, again, the premise of black lives matter, I'm all for it. And I'm like, if you're not for that, then you suck. But as far as the organization, I'm not down with it. And if you are, and if you're not, then, you know, that's your choice. But just know that there is a difference between the two. Okay. The actual theory and the premise and the action itself and the organization, which is not funded by black people. <laughs> so, so that right there says everything you need to know right there. Yeah. That so says it all. So basically they're going to do, they're going to go wherever their money tells them to go. So when someone's paying you to do again, get back to kill your masters. Okay. Wherever your master says, no, I want you to focus on this. You're now in a position where you have no choice because you, well, it, you do have a choice, but you change that you have no choice because that money, man, <laughs> it's addictive. And when you didn't have all this stuff and you sit there and think like, well, if I stick with this, then I can keep on pushing my agenda because I don't have this kind of money to mobilize at, at a drop of a dime when something happens like that. So I want to keep this going. So then you're all about your own personal interests. And now you don't really care about the things that you originally said you were caring about and you can't be trusted. And so guess what? You are a traitor. You are a traitor. You need to be dealt with. 
as far as that community that you claim that you're defending. So I feel like the black people, the black community as a whole in America that, that really do believe that black lives matter and they just want to be able to prosper and live happily. They should look at the members of black lives matter the organization that are totally pushing something totally different than that and oust them. They should have their black cards revoked. Okay. They should no longer be able to be card carrying members of our community because they're not a part of our community at this point. They're all about themselves and they need to go. They need to be dealt with because you know what? Other, other communities, whether it's the Jewish community, Irish community, Italian community, Indian community, Asian community. One thing about it, they all stay on code. They, that's why you don't see them. That's why you don't get to exploit them. You don't get to exploit them in movies and in, 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 in rap songs or whatever else. You don't get to do that because they will chin check you because it's not good for their community. So they will take care of you themselves. They will, no matter whether, whether it be financially or otherwise. So they have a code that they stick with. Hell, even, I don't care who you are, where you are economically, even the white community has a code <laughs> at this point. At this point, whether it's, you know, you're out in the rural areas all the way up to the White House, there's a code. Our community just needs to work more on our own code of ethics for our community. So, therefore, when you sit there and walk by, you can sit there and scream Black Lives Matter when it's police brutality, but then you go back to your neighborhood and walk past the drug dealers on the corner and you say nothing, then I'm like, what are you saying at this point? So my thing, what are you doing to make sure, you know, that those folks are now no longer terrorizing the good citizens in that neighborhood? What's being done? So you got to think about that. So it's not so black and white, per se, when you say these things and claim that that's what you're all about. And now I'm stepping off my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, basically, I said what I said. It was kind of like how one of the listeners that watched the show they disagree with what I said about the cops, you know, and the slave patrols. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm one of those people like, okay, I don't read the comments at this point because, you know, my thing is, especially when I thoroughly explained it at the time that I said it, it wasn't like I threw a blanket statement. Out well, that's why, that's why I always say read, watch the entire episode. Exactly. Either someone is watching a snippet or maybe they watched a little bit, but watch the entire episode because Tim got some feedback like that too. And I go, just watch that fucking entire episode. Right. I don't understand. I don't understand why people have to draw conclusions off a one-minute clip. Yeah, exactly. I mean, gee, I, I I say it in the description. Here's a here's this is the full episodes at my bio, or the full episode will be out soon. Check it out. The whole point is it's meant to be a teaser. It's supposed to be something enticing, and it's a way to just put good content out there too. Right. But I, I usually don't pay attention to comments either because a lot of times, who gives a fuck? Is my response, you know, I'm taking the time to put out really good information. The last thing I'm going to do is waste my whole day answering everyone's fucking comments. Right. You want you want to talk to the person in question, contact that person. Exactly. So and, and it's funny that they reached out to you about that. But I'm just like everything I said about that's historical, dude. Slave patrols, patty, patty, patty rollers. Well, it was also oh, like, I didn't make, well, I didn't make any I'm of those I'm not going to follow you guys anymore because of this. And I was like, number yeah. one, I don't, I don't give a fuck if you're not going to follow us. Why do you have to tell me that? Just stop following us. And number two, this is the problem with our with our country right now is all this cancel culture bullshit. Yeah, nobody wants to have a dialogue. You, yeah, because they're afraid that you may not agree with their stance. I'm like, I don't have to. But you know, there's this thing. Go look up the word discourse while you're also looking up patty rollers and slave patrols, looking at seeing that all those things existed. But look up discourse. There's we can have a debate and not an argument because I'm not going to argue with any of you fools that want that love to argue. 
I don't, I don't feed the animals. I don't deal with trolls. Okay. You know, just like someone that sat there and came on my account that doesn't even follow me. They see the picture. There was a picture that I posted on Instagram. There's this black family. One of the guys, he's an instructor, but he's on his front porch. It's him, his wife and his kids. And, you know, and they're all, they're all, you know, standing in front of the house and they're holding guns. And, you know, basically I put like protect what you love. And, you know, basically to the premise of, you know, family that trains together, you know, that's how it should be. You know, so therefore everyone, is educated in gun safety and being able to protect themselves and not relying on just one person because what happens when that one person is injured in a situation and can't defend? Somebody else needs to be ready to step in or whatever. It's just common freaking sense. So someone, and this guy just comes out of nowhere. I don't understand this. Like, well, so what are you saying that, you know, I don't get to with the, the whole premise of this picture. Are you saying that we should be, you know, that family should be training to, you know, what to arm themselves against the police. Uh, they should be armed. Should they be shooting the police? And I'm looking like, okay, okay, I see what you're trying to do. So either you're just flat out just ignorant, you're seeing something that's not there, or you're trying to use your own experience or whatever, and you feel like all the stuff that's going on right now, that's what should be happening. Well, I'm like, what part of protect what you love don't you understand? But I'm not going to answer that. You know, because, again, you don't even follow me, dude. You're not even a follower. So you just, it feels like you're trolling. This is a black guy. And then he goes on another post. He's like, from the National Range Day post I put up. So I don't know, understand what that was all about. So are we trained to shoot the police? I'm like, oh, okay. So you keep bringing that up. It makes you feel <laughs> like you're, it feels like you're trying to really get someone to say that. So you can back it. He's like, I don't understand because, you know, guns in my community, you know, so many people have died, you know, from shooting each other. And I could just say like, well, that's the very reason why you should get armed and trained because I'm pretty sure it sounds like there's a criminal element going on in wherever you come from, you know, because I'm thinking if the, all the good people were armed, you wouldn't be able to have this statement because right. those people, those criminals would know better, you know, when there's an armed society going on right there. So I'm not even going to engage in things like that because I, just, I, I know when people are just trying to, they're just trying to be contrarians, you know, they're trying to look clever. I don't, I don't, I don't deal with cleverness. Okay. So, some things don't even require a response. Now I can see if you honestly can't like, look, I'm just trying to understand, you know, like, should I be doing the same thing? And is it dangerous for us to be doing it now? Or like, what is the opinion of, you know, let's say white people who will love the second amendment about black people in the second amendment. See, that feels like a more honest question to me than like, I don't get what's going on here. It's like, well, you're saying they should shoot the police. Okay, first of all, bitch, did I say shoot the police? Did you see that? <laughs> did you even see a mention of the police in this post? What are you talking about? Shut up. Go away. <laughs> it's like, go away, man. So it's like, but the best thing you can do with somebody like that is just don't engage. And if it's, it's well, really I mean, coming, from, if it's coming from an honest place, then they will, they will probably come back with an honest, uh, uh, yeah. an honest take on the question. Like, okay, maybe I should rephrase what I said. What I meant was blah, 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 blah. That, that goes to show me that you honestly were trying to understand. But if you just come on and do a drive-by posting, you know, say some bullshit and then disappear, and then you come back on another post and then you disappear again, then, you know, you can, you can fuck all the way off. Well, I mean, okay. the, good, the good news is, is that I'm sure this is your experience as well. The majority of people who post on my post are good people. They're yeah, cool. They're, 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 they're either supportive or they're asking good questions or they're, in, they're genuinely interested in something. That's the majority of it. Otherwise, I wouldn't waste my time. Believe me, if I posted, if every time I posted something, I'm just dealing with a bunch of dipshits, I would have canceled the account a long time ago. I'd be like, all right, fuck right. this shit. I've got better yeah. things to do and waste my time with this. But the majority of my experience is positive, which has been good. And every, one, every once in a while, I deal with some troll. I just delete, block, fuck like, off. 
Yeah. Now, some people are like, oh, I don't believe in blocking people. I do. If you're going to be gotcha. a twat, you're going to get blocked, motherfucker, so I don't waste my time with you. It's like flushing you down the toilet. It's <laughs> the equivalent of flushing you down the toilet. Delete, block. You're done. It's, it's the equivalent finish. of your mom who should have swallowed you. If she had swallowed <laughs> you, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I said it. So, and that's not being cancel culture because this no. person's being a troll. You know, I'm not talking about. I'm not. You can't have a discussion with a troll. So there's no point trying to. Exactly. So and I feel like you know, all you listen out there, you should be the same way. If someone's not really coming, you know, with the intention of trying to just truly understand, they're just doing it just try to get to rile you up. Stop that. You don't have time for that. You got better things to be doing out here. Don't engage them. They're bored, especially on the internet. It's, you gotta ask yourself, would this person come at me like this in person? Right. And then if you feel like they would, then you need to check yourself. You're like, okay, you need to kind of check, change your demeanor so they'll know better <laughs> if they were, if they would do that in person. If you feel, if there's a doubt in your mind that they probably would, then you gotta ask yourself, okay, what, what's wrong with me to sit there and even have a doubt? It's like, I, I know this person wouldn't come like that. And if they did, it's just like, oh, okay, you're, Probably you're part crazy. Okay. And so I'm not, I'm not qualified to deal with you. I know professionals that deal with folks like you who are that mentally unstable. So no, I'm good. Cause I got things to do, man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Much better things to do than sit there and engage with that. But yeah, I, I, I just found that I saw that, that, that post. I mean, that reply from that dude. And I was like, Oh, really? Okay. I was like, obviously you weren't listening. You were, then you addressed that. And then they kind of backtracked. Oh yeah. I guess I need to go back and listen to it. Right, How about that? Right. How about that? So, but, but guess what? That, but it's not just him. We're in a clickbait culture. So there's a lot of people, they see a headline, they see a post, and then they just run with it. They'll share it and without even looking into it. And then, but then when they realize they were wrong, no one backtracks and say, okay, I was wrong with this. I, I was misquoted, including our media. A media can put stuff out there. They can sit there and put a clip of Trump saying something, but not show the whole clip. And then when the whole clip comes out, they just won't even say anything. They won't admit that they, okay, they purposely left out the rest or they jumped the gun because they're trying to get out first. They won't be the first one to release it without, before the other outlets do. I'm like, at this point, it's no longer about, I got to get this information out before the other news outlets because you're all putting out the same stuff. You all got the same sponsors. It's not like you're going to make any more money for that company by being the first one with it. Or it's not like you're going to increase new listeners or new, or new viewers by being the first one to release it at this point. You're now, you're every day. You're you're part of the culture that is just there. There's nothing fascinating about you. There's nothing that makes everybody run like, oh my God, CNN's got 50 million new viewers this year, and or right. Fox Fox News has 75 million new what you know viewers of Fox News. What have you done? It's kind of like if you look at the stock market. I need you to go and look at a stock like Ford. Okay, this company's been around forever. Look at their stock. It doesn't go up or down, no matter what the news is. They just released. This week, they were saying that about the new F-150 is coming out. They're going to be electric. And then they got like an all-electric truck and all these different things. So you would think that would be some great news to move the ticker on that stock. Their stock stayed flat, man. It remained flat. No one cared because it's Ford. You've been around forever. It's like, what are they doing that's so new and innovating? You're playing catch-up now because guess what? Tesla showed their little electric truck a few months ago, and everybody was excited <laughs> because it looks like the future. I'm yeah. like, uh, uh, an all-electric Ford F-150 looks like my Ford F-150, but it's just electric. So the part that you see looks like an everyday Ford F-150. The new innovation, you can't see it because it's under the hood. <laughs> so no one's seeing it. They wouldn't even know if it was electric unless they got right up against it and probably saw the back where it actually has it on, like, the emblem 
on on the tailgate. But other than that, no one knows because your truck looks the same. That Tesla truck doesn't look like anything else that's out there right now. <laughs> it's like, come on. So you're not doing anything innovative. No one cares, especially these old school companies. Coke, all these companies, like, what are you doing different? You're just putting out more diabetic infested liquids, you know, right. or, or cancer infected liquids to get away from the diabetes stuff. So I'm just like, what are you doing that's so innovative <clears throat> at this point? And especially when you're gobbling up other companies or whatever, you're merging with folks. No one cares. So that's why this stuff doesn't move. So that's the thing about all these other, like I said, no one cares about these, these news outlets. They're not doing anything innovative. So yeah, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> yeah. I never watch the news. I always make fun of my friend Alan because he's a news guy. So I go, yeah. he's like, he's like, oh, did you watch this today? I go, no, I don't need to because I knew I was going to talk to you later. And you'll just tell me, <laughs> right. you'll give me the clip, you'll give me the clip notes version. If there's, any, if there's anything that you say that sounds interesting, I'll go back and take a look at it. But most likely, it's probably not going to be anything interesting. So now, now I got the news of the day and I'm done. I saved myself some time. I can go home and watch something entertaining instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, no, I got 24 episodes. I got, I mean, I got a season, another season of 24 to binge. I got things <laughs> right. to do, man. You know, I don't have time to watch the news. You know? my, right now, compared to the news that you're watching, these episodes of 24 are the closest thing to today's reality that I'm getting right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, your news station, that, that's the stuff that looks like Hollywood. That's the stuff that looks like made up movie stuff. Like, come on. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, man. Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap up. And yeah. even if it isn't, we got to wrap up because I'm hungry. I got this vegan pizza on the fridge just calling my name you know, to load it up and put it in the oven. Exactly. <laughs> People are like, hey, you going to train today? I was like, nope, I'm not going to. You know why? Because I've been training my ass off very consistently recently and I need a couple of days off. And I'm going to relax and eat a lot of good food and kick back. Mike, aren't you afraid you're gonna lose your gains? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If I if I lose gains from taking a couple of days off, then I didn't really have gains to start with. <laughs> right. Whatever I had was worth losing. <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't have it. You know, if you take a week off from training, come back way weaker, then you probably weren't that strong to start with. Yeah, you probably exactly. weren't that strong to start with, you know. Because <laughs> You should come back strong. I've never taken a week off and and not come back refreshed and ready to go right. and things feel good. It's never happened. But I'm not addicted to the stimulus of training. I'm addicted to results. And, and if, it's, if, if it's not serving res- – whatever's going to get me results is what I'm going to do. So if taking a week off is going to get me better results, then why wouldn't I do that? That's easy. Hey, man, if you're going to have a master, then let, let results be your master. And right. good results. Good results. Okay. Right. <laughs> bad results can be bad. Okay, just like that. <laughs> but it's a result, <laughs> you know? So, cool. So, yeah, folks. So, we'll catch you guys on the next one. And uh, take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye. That wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressive show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. 
simply go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon only access to our brand new show Afterlife, which is a brand new behind the scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.